Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the Joey Utah Perspective. With me today is a very special guest of mine, somebody who's helped me deal with a lot of my issues post-military, uh, Sergeant Dwayne France. He's a fellow military veteran, and uh, he does a lot of good things for the veteran community. So with that being said, I'm going to let him introduce himself and talk a little bit about his mission. Sergeant France? Yeah. No, thanks for having me on, Joey. I appreciate it. Uh, so <clears throat> as you said, uh, I am a veteran, so I'm a retired Army non-commissioned officer. I served for 22 years. Uh, retired in 2014. After I retired, I became a clinical mental health counselor, uh, and I'm currently working with uh, veterans and their families in Colorado Springs, Colorado, as a clinical mental health counselor. Uh, in addition to that, I also write and speak about veteran mental health uh, uh, to a wider audience on a uh, blog, podcast, book, uh, pretty much any place that'll that'll let me uh, uh, spout my stuff. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, you actually wrote a book, which I wanted to talk about. It's one of the, uh, the reasons that we connected earlier this year. You wrote a book called Combat Vet Don't Mean Crazy. And uh, I can't tell, I can't thank you enough for, you know, the numerous benefits it had on my personal life uh, as a veteran. But, um, and it also inspired me to write my own self-help book. But with that being said, uh, I was wondering, you know, how that was going since, since you've released it. Um, have you gotten a lot of feedback from veterans and, and how it's helped them? Yeah. So in, in interestingly enough, my, uh, my biggest fan base is behind bars. Um, I don't know if that could be a, a good thing or a bad thing. Really how it all started out was uh, I, I do a lot of work with justice involved veterans. Uh, and what a lot of people don't realize is uh, one of the challenges that veterans will run into once they get out of the military is legal troubles. Uh, here in El Paso County, Colorado, it's the, the county um, that's uh, around Colorado Springs. On any given day, there's anywhere from 150 to 200 incarcerated veterans uh, in our county jail. And, uh, and, and, and how the book kind of started out was a group of them wanted some, some things to talk about, some things to, to kind of go over, uh, some different articles to address some of their needs. Um, the majority of them are combat veterans uh, that are in the uh, they're incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I started out, there was actually an ebook that uh, came out and then that one was the, the second one. Uh, and, and that has gotten a lot of traction um, for them inside. I hear a lot of uh, um, information about that. Uh, but I also about uh, a month and a half ago went up to a local correctional facility. So we're talking about, you know, uh, DOC um, and uh, some of the veterans that are in there. Here in Sterling, Colorado, there's a correctional facility um, that actually has a veteran cell block where there's about 65 veterans that are in the prison. It's a medium security prison. Um, and one of the veterans there said that uh, a, a Vietnam veteran had read the book and he was like, this is the first time in 50 years um, that, uh, that I've, I've really felt like somebody understood and and, and got me. So, and that's, that's satisfying to hear. Um, you know, we always say if it only helps one person, but it's really true. Um, but it's, uh, it's gotten some pretty good reception. We've sold almost 500 copies so far, um, getting ready to come out with the next paperback here, uh, coming shortly. But, uh, um, yeah, you know, it's not burning up any charts or anything, but it's helping people. So that's, what's important. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing that it's helping people. And it certainly has, uh, it sounds like. Uh, so you mentioned you had another book coming out here soon? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it backwards a little bit. So I, I released an ebook before I released that one in paperback. Uh, so now it's it's taken a little bit. So I'm releasing the ebook in paperback. So it's really sort of a a prequel, but it's the second book. Yeah, you, you can't make this stuff up. Interesting. And what's the name of it? Did you come up with so a that, name? Yet? <clears throat> yeah, that one is. Uh, it's actually. Um, the uh, so it's the name of the blog that the book is actually titled Headspace and Timing, um, you know, and, and this is in being in the uh, the Air Force as you were, the one thing that a lot of um, uh, service members are familiar with is the fifty cal machine gun, right? You know, it's uh, you got them on the the C one thirties and the ships and everything. Pretty much across all the services, people know what the fifty cal is, um, and you used to have to be able to set the headspace and timing to make sure the fifty cal worked properly. Well, that's what's, you know, veterans will work properly. You throw us in the dirt, just like you throw a 50 cal in the dirt and they'll work fine. But if we don't have our headspace set correctly for post-military life, then we're not going to be as effective as we are. So yeah, the, um, the, the title of the second book, which is the first book is the, the same as headspace and timing. Ah, excellent. Okay. And, and anybody who's listening can pick up a copy at uh, is it veteranmentalhealth.com? Is that the best yep. place to get it? Yep. Excellent. Um, all right. I love that. I haven't checked out the new ebook. I'm still digesting the old one, the, the combat vet book. And uh, something that I know we talked about, I think when I was on your podcast earlier this year, uh, but something I kind of wanted to bring up on my own was uh, the depression dog. Uh, that's something that really had a profound influence on me. Uh, as I was go- sorting out my own uh, depression issues earlier last year. Um, you know, you talk about that a lot and how depression's always going to be there. That dog uh, is always going to be there. It's just how, how do we manage it? How do we acknowledge it when, when our, you know, because there's certain behavior that is going to be a consequence of, of when your depression happens, you know, whether it's going to affect me personally or others around me. And I would love if you could give a little bit more uh, insight on, on how that works for, for anyone. Yeah, so this, this was an idea of, I mean, and not just the depression dog, but just the, the you know, the, the, they called it the black dog of the veteran emotion, right? So we have the PTSD dog, right, you know, that wants to snap at everybody if, if it's not restrained. Or um, we have the anxiety dog that will cower, you know, in, in underneath the table every time that there's a, uh, a loud noise outside. Right. And so it's, uh, you know, we all know how, you know, uh, this whole sad black Labrador acts, right. You know, if, yeah. if they're just sort of a, a sad hound dog and that was really um, uh, an example, a metaphor that I was using to say that, you know, that's sort of what this feels like. Right. And this is, it's our dog, right. It's, it's, yeah. it's ours. We know it, we own it. Um, and a lot of times we just want to, you know, keep it around. It's, you know, that PTSD dog will bark and snap at everybody and make sure that everybody stays out of my way. And so that's, it's beneficial. The anxiety dog keeps me hidden so that I don't have to deal with the outside world. The depression dog, me and old, old dog just lay in bed all day and don't do anything. Um, and if we don't realize that it actually is, it, it, it's something that's inside of us that's controlling us and it's controlling our life essentially. Um, and we actually have the power to overcome that. We have the power to train the depression dog not to be so sad or the anxiety dog not to be so scared or to restrain the PTSD dog so it doesn't cause that much problems. 
Wow. It's, yeah, it's amazing when you, when you say it like that, because um, it really just puts everything into perspective about how we are the ones who, who can manage that. And, um, you know, something that I wanted to ask you is, what do you think that, that uh, other veterans, that veterans in general can do for each other to kind of help, you know, deal with this, this problem? Because I think it's something in, in the experiences I've had with other veterans is a lot of people just don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to touch that depression dog, so to speak, at all. They just, they want, they want a, a quicker way to fix the problem without having to talk about it, you know, for, for various reasons. But what do you think us veterans can do to empower others? Um, what do you think's the best, in your experiences, what have you had the most success with in uh, kind of empowering other veterans to acknowledge their, their depression or their anger or PTSD? Well, it's about um, getting it out, right? You know, it's about talking about it. It's, it's uh, you know, breaking down that stigma. We talk about, you know, this cliche of the stigma. But uh, if, if I'm walking next to you and I see you carrying the black dog around, I'll be the first guy to say, hey, dude, you should go to this guy and get that dog taken care of. And, and I'll be all over helping you, but I will avoid helping myself. This is a big thing that a lot of veterans um, experience is they will apply the stigma to themselves more than they will apply a stigma to their buddies. Like, um, I'm afraid that you would think I'm weak if I went to seek mental health counseling, but I would not think you're weak. I right. would encourage you to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is if we keep these things quiet, if we keep these things, you know, uh, secret, then we don't know that everybody else is dealing with this. And this isn't the, the, the stereotype of the broken vet. I mean, nobody's going to come out of the military completely 100% the way that they came in. Um, right. Yeah. Combat even more so or going through traumatic events. It is going to change you. It doesn't mean we're weak. It doesn't mean we're broken. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, uh, crazy Rambo killers or anything. Right. Right. Um, it's just a matter of the fact that this is something that we experienced that changed us. And, just like if we, uh, you know, run the engine too long without, uh, without the right amount of oil in it, we got to take it to the mechanic and get it fixed. It's the same situation when things up here aren't working the way they should. There's individuals who can help and, and there's mental health professionals. That doesn't mean everybody has to go to therapy and, and you know, sit down and, and, and even talking about that. What is therapy about? You know, understanding it's not just sitting on the couch talking about your mother. It's understanding how the military changed the way that we see the world. And once we talk about it and we're open and honest about it and say, hey, you know, I deal with depression. I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with PTSD. Look, this is a real thing and I have managed it and overcome it. It doesn't mean I'm broken. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, a, a jacked up vet. So really be the, what you're doing here, talking about it, getting it out in the open, the whole idea behind the blog and the podcast is stop keeping it behind closed doors and make talking about mental health as common as talking about the weather. You know, you know, how's the weather today? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's kind of crappy. How are you feeling today? Oh, you know, not that good. Oh yeah. What's going on? I mean, and, and so getting it to the point where we change the way that we think and talk about mental health and that happens on an individual level. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I can't, can't agree with you more on how I believe that we all need to create that culture you just mentioned to empower others. And I think that the best way to do that and the best success I've had with other vets is telling my story and telling them what I've gone through 
And even with, with non, um, non-veterans I've spoken with, uh, young, a lot of young college kids who I talk to on a daily basis, when they hear me vocalize, because I'm a very outspoken person, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. If I'm having a bad day, everybody knows it, but I don't do it. You know, my, my behavior doesn't, isn't usually a, a negative consequence. I'm just very open. If I'm having a bad day, I'll tell you why. And um, I usually come up, I like to come up with a solution with how I've made it better. You know, so if I am having a, a day where that depression dog is, is coming up a little too much, I'll let my friends know if they're around me, like, hey, I'm a little, little anxious right now. Um, I'd love to talk to you about it, though. And, you know, and sometimes I don't even ask. I just go into it most of the time. Um, but I've, anyway, the, the good that I've seen come of that is others, when they see me do it or they hear me do it to their face, then they do it right back, you know? It's just like right. if you're talking about the weather with someone, how's the weather? Oh, it's good. How's your, you know, it's just we're going to talk about whatever the first person to initiate starts talking about. So what I kind of became more assertive last year, when I became more assertive, and I'd learned how to lead a conversation more, I have no problem being vulnerable because I know it's going to help somebody else. And it's not like I go around, you know, telling everybody I'm having a bad day because I'm usually a pretty cheerful person. But I, th- I find that a lot of people respond well to that and it gives them permission to do what you said, to just acknowledge that it's real. And this is something right. I might be dealing with. And if Joe's dealing with it or Dwayne's talking about it, you know, Maybe I should do it too. Maybe it's okay. Not even should I do it, but it's okay. They've given me permission to do it as well. And that's what I love. And you keep saying permission. And that's, that's exactly what it is, is a lot of times veterans need permission from other veterans to actually do something. We did it when it was in the Air Force, right? You know, yeah. you didn't just go up and start kicking and you looked around to see who else would, oh, you know, my squad leader, my, my you know, flight leader said, yeah, you could. And so we look around to see if this is something that's appropriate. And if we give each other permission to be open and honest, then we will likely be open and honest. If we give each other permission to keep it quiet, then we're going to keep it quiet. And so that's the big thing is giving each other permission and letting each other know, you know, it's okay. Now you're right. You don't have to go around a cocktail party, say, Hey, I'm on antidepressants, right? You know, <laughs> any more than you go up to total strangers and say, Hey, I got stage four cancer. Yeah. But you will tell those people that are closest to you that, Hey, I'm not feeling well today physically because of my ankle or my diabetes or whatever, right? Those people that are closest to you, they know what's going on with you physically and they care for you if there is a, a physical illness. Um, but we don't often let those people that are closest to us, let, let them know that there's something going on up here. And it's the same thing. Our brain is not functioning the same way our liver isn't functioning. You know, it's just the, the problem is, is we're using the thing to think about the thing that's not thinking correctly. It's interesting because when you think about it, it's you said the word <laughs> physical just now. Like if, if somebody sees Dwayne walking around with a broken bone or, you know, he has stage four cancer or whatever, we're so quick to help and to want to understand what they're going through. But it's, it's almost like fear of the unknown when it comes to mental health um, right. on a wide scale. Like, again, not just singling out military veterans, um, but even civilians. You know, national suicide rates have been going up for the last several years. So it's something that we all need to kind of 
and you speak about this in your book, you know, the community has to take responsibility. And, you know, from within the community starts the individual. And what I tell others, because I have a lot of people who will reach out to me on social media and they'll go, Joe, how can I help? How can I help a veteran? You know, civilians asking me. And I'll say, if you know any, just reach out to them and try to try to talk to them. That doesn't mean try to lead with talking about depression or anxiety or anything, but just put yourself in someone's life and position yourself so that they know they can come to you if something's ever, you know, if they ever really need it. Because I have a lot of veteran friends I speak with, but I have a few civilians who have earned my trust and respect because they've reached out so much. And um, I think in doing that, they've created this own little, own little culture, um, you can call it, where we all, they do the same in turn for me, you know, or I do the same for them. If, if they have an issue I, or I've, I can sense some kind of behavior is off, again, for civilians as well. I'll, I'll reach out to them and say, hey, how is everything? Do you want to call me? Do you want to talk? Sometimes I'll even just call before, you know? Right. Um, and, and everybody wants, wants their story heard, right? Veterans, in my experience, even more so, we want people to understand what we experience. Yeah. You want people to understand what it's like to be security forces, but at the same time, you're not going to tell them. You know, they're not going to drag it out of you. And so you have these, these competing desires. Um, veterans we want people to understand what we experience in the military that's human nature your you know your civilian friends want people to understand um you know where they're coming from it's just being able to tell that story in a trusted way um and and that's really one of the things that again trying to do with the website is i try to tell the stories of veterans so the veteran maybe doesn't have to that they're able to send a blog post or or you know, copy a page in the book and send it to somebody. Say, hey, this is what we were talking about the other day. This explains what I was trying to say, and I couldn't use the words. Um, yeah. And it's all about trying to listen to people's stories, not trying to tell your own story, not trying to change their story. Just taking the time to listen yeah. and understand. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, that's just a basic human need that we all want to be heard and understood, and. I get it with, with the military and with, you know, people who are raised in a more aggressive environment. It's sometimes civilians, you know, it's hard for them to, to hear that and to understand those stories and to be able to acknowledge them. And cause they're on the other side, sometimes thinking like, is it okay that I'm listening? Is it okay if I ask this or that? That's why I always preach that we need to come together, veterans and civilians and figure out a way to communicate and coexist and, you know, lean on each other at times and also use each other for, to produce great things. I always say, I know this is a little more off topic, but veteran, whenever a veteran asks me what, what they should be doing when they get out of the military, I say, become an entrepreneur of some sort. I don't know exactly where, you know, depending on the person, but military uh, veterans got to realize you've been trained. Yeah. You've got that aggressiveness that comes with, with being in the military but you've also got great leadership capabilities. Mm-hmm. You got great uh, team cohesion, team building skills that you're not even necessarily aware of because it was so normal for the last few years. But when you come out and that's a need that a lot of civilians, uh, a lot of kids who, you know, young kids could, could use that kind of information. That's guidance. You could be, you know, become a mentor to somebody or start your own company or business. I mean, it could literally go in so many directions, but. 
Well, yeah. I mean, and I think that's one of the things, number one, I think that's why Marines might make such good entrepreneurs because they're so used to doing a whole lot with not a lot, right? You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like, uh, you know, the Air Force, you guys got a lot of, uh, a lot of support, a lot of, (laughs) but, but it's one of those things that we're used to reacting to situations um, with little information, with, uh, with little resources and still getting the job done. And that's what an entrepreneur is is someone who, you know, figures out what a problem is and then provides a solution based on their available capabilities. Yeah. So you, what do you think is, is the, the num- one of the big reasons why uh, veterans come out struggling to, to assimilate back into the civilian besides um, I'm, try- I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. When veterans come out, do you feel like they're being properly set up with, with the proper resources to get them back you know, on their feet in the civilian sector? Well, when, when you joined the Air Force, did you, uh, before you went to basic training, did, did you think that it was their responsibility to, to get you ready to join the Air Force? Right? It was, you put yourself in the mindset that I'm getting ready to go in the Air Force, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go, and, you know, and you weren't ready to be in the Air Force yet. So there's yeah. a level of responsibility that we have. Yeah on ourselves to prepare for, right? You know, it's, we're not just baby birds, you know, cheap, cheap and, and mama feed me worms. (laughs) Maybe that is a little bit of a challenge that we expect the military to train us to be civilians in the same way that it trained us to be service members. There is no basic training. Arguably, could there be, should there be? I've seen where it's worked in the past where veterans are given that awareness to say, look, when you're inside the machine, you don't know what it looks like outside the machine, right? And so um, this is what it's going to look like for you. I arguably, I mean, I didn't know how to dress for success and, you know, socks match the pants and not the shoes and all this other stuff, right? And so I went out and I sought that information out and I deliberately, just like I, I would when I'm going into a different operational environment, I deliberately figured out what I had to do. And so, yes, you know, could there be more preparation? Sure. But could the service members themselves do more preparation? Absolutely. Because ultimately, the post-military life that we want to build is on us. Um, And so I think the biggest challenge is just the lack of awareness that we have to own our own transition. Wow. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. and it's something that I, I think I'm, I'm grateful. I started becoming more self-aware recently, but there are so many others who, who I just fear they're, they're not there yet. And I guess that's my biggest frustration and what I'm trying to do, you know, is to just empower others to, to get to that because so many of us, including myself at one time, when I got out of the military and I started going through stuff, I started blaming, I started shaming and blaming and the VA is screwing me over and, the military should have done this for me and my family should act like this for me. And you know, all my relationships, I would just blame everyone else. And it really got to that point when I first started taking accountability and saying, listen, man, you're doing something. You could be doing a little better to help yourself out here. All right. Yes. I I preface this in my own book. Assholes do exist, right? There's always going to be somebody who doesn't treat you the right way or how you want to be treated or talks down to you. But ultimately it's on you to, you know, be aware of your feelings and to assess them and then to figure out, you know, is there a solution? Is there a way I can talk to this person differently or I could address others or, 
I could fix my situation. I put myself together, you know, learn how to dress for success. And what was it? Match your socks with your shoes. I didn't know that. So. Yeah. Uh, cloth matches cloth. They do not match leather. So you're, and this is the thing is, you know, guys come out, well, it's a black shoes, black socks. No, <laughs> you got khakis and, and socks. But, but going back to what you were talking about, you know, uh, jerks exist everywhere. They existed in the military. When we were in the military, went to a new unit, we didn't require the new unit to adapt to us. We adapted to the new unit. How did we lose that when we left the military? Why do we think that when we get out of the military, we need to have the environment adapt to us rather than us adapt to the environment? That's the thing about this, uh, you know, don't shoot off firecrackers because I'm a vet. I'm not going to require my neighbors to change for me any more than I required the other squad leader or, or you know, my platoon sergeant to change for me. I adapted to the operational environment when I was in the military. Why does that change when I'm out? Ah, that's such a good point. Yeah. I can't agree with you more on that. I mean, that's something, and I don't know what it is or where we start taking that for granted. I guess it's when we come out. Cause I do know, you know, there is a number of veterans who do expect people to change for them right away, you know, and, well, I do think it's always good to set healthy boundaries with others. Uh, I think, you know, being fair, you know, especially with communication, uh, how you're communicating with others. If something, you know, like a firecracker or whatever it is that, that drives you nuts, something that I've, I've had a lot of success with is, is just having a conversation with my family or others around me who are close to me who, you know, I feel comfortable with. And I'll, I'll address whatever it is that bothers me. and. I think that's something I don't expect, but you know, I've learned that if I'm putting myself out there the right way and I'm being respectful to them and their environment, cause they, why should they, you know, form around us? You're hundred percent right. Why should they have to change? It's gotta be an account, self accountability thing, but. And it can be right. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they can change. I can change. You know, I mean, if, if my neighbor's got a, you know, a spotlight shining in my front yard every day, you know, <laughs> Okay, we have to have a communication, um, but it's not, you know, I, I'm going to sit here and, and just be whatever the stereotype that I'm going to be, um, and I expect other people to adapt to me. It has to be a, a constant growth, right? You know, it's, um, you're, you're never going to be a civilian. Uh, civilians don't even call themselves civilians, number one, yeah. um, but you're no longer uh, an airman. I'm no longer a soldier. Right. That's what we used to do. And we're no longer allowed to be that for whatever reason. Now we're out. Well, we're not civilians either because we spent time in the military. and We know what that's like. We're the we're this different third thing called a veteran who is sort of a hybrid between the two. It doesn't mean that we can't exist in either uh, area. It means that we're actually can be more versatile and we can bring more value. And this goes back to what you were talking about, building something more stepping into that gap and helping civilians understand what it's like to be in the military, not just assuming, well, you don't know. And so I'm never going to talk to you because you're never going to understand. No, taking that time because as much as you step out, then there's going to be other individuals who never serve. They're going to step out into that gap and try to understand as well. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, Dwayne, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, Really appreciate it. I wanted to leave you with one last minute to give any sort of advice that you'd like to, uh, to any veteran out there who's listening right now who might be experiencing a difficult transition. 
Well, I think the, uh, the biggest piece of advice is uh, don't keep it to yourself, right? You know, talk about it. Tell somebody about it. Find someone that you trust. Um, take a chance and trust somebody. But to find somebody that you trust that will help you out and talk about it and tell them what's going on. Don't wait, you know, 40, 50 years like the Vietnam dudes did. Um, actually start talking about some of these things. And the help is out there. Um, just go get it. Awesome. Awesome advice. Uh, thanks again, Dwayne, for being on. For anybody who wants to find uh, any information or wants to, to uh, pre-order uh, Dwayne's new book or order Combat Vet, Don't Mean Crazy, I'm going to put a link in the, uh, the YouTube channel. And uh, with that being said, thanks for listening, guys. And Dwayne, thanks for being on. Appreciate it, man. No problem. All right, sir.